This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode and the month of June, which is a very special month for me this year. I mean, it's special every year, but it's special in particular when it comes to Iceland because I'm celebrating five years of living and traveling and working and loving and being in Iceland this month. So there are a lot of major events in my life that have happened during this month. Some of them I've had control over, such as moving to Iceland in 2016 on, I think it was officially June 22nd is my anniversary of starting to live here, getting married. And I don't know how many people know this story, but Gunnar and I got married twice and we didn't get divorced, but it was just, we had a small ceremony and it was very, very small. So just in my mother-in-law's living room with very few people back in 2015 and then in 2017 in June on June 17th which is when Iceland celebrates its independence day we had our second big wedding for everybody so like lots of family and friends came and it was a great time so we celebrate that marriage we celebrate both of them really but it's significant that that marriage happened on this specific day and it's also been easier for us to remember it because It's a holiday here in Iceland. And as well, in terms of what I've had control over, starting the podcast three years ago in 2018, I officially launched it in June. So I'm, of course, celebrating those anniversaries, too. One thing that I don't think I have control over is that I was born in June. And this is a kind of random fact, but I was supposed to be born on May 16th, 1986. (laughs) But my mom said that I was not ready to come out. And I ended up being born a month later on June 16th. So maybe I had control over it and I didn't want to come out yet. I don't know. (laughs) And was in the womb for 10 months, which whenever I tell people that, it's they're like, whoa, that sounds intense. But I guess I was comfortable. But anyway, so the whole point is there are a lot of celebrations happening this month. And five years feels special to me because I've been so fortunate to learn a ton, to travel, to grow as a person in Iceland all throughout this time. I've met amazing people. Many of them I've been able to interview. And so you've heard interviews I've had with them. I have many more interviews, of course, coming up. I've gone to gorgeous places in every region of the country. There's really not a place in Iceland where you go and you're like, eh, there's nothing here. There's always stuff there. You just have to know where to look. And of course, I've had the opportunity to share some of my growth with all of you. And of course, the stories of others and just advice, tips, all these things. And I'm just so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that my journey here has been such an amazing one so far. And I can only hope and knock on wood (laughs) that it continues to be that way. I just, I think what has been helpful for me, at least over the last five years, is continuously seeing my life here as an adventure. And really it is. I mean, you think about it, like there's literal adventures But I don't feel like every day is the same. I learn a lot of different things. I get a chance to share and understand better Icelandic culture, my husband, his family, and so many different aspects of life about myself as well. So adventure-wise, it is definitely (laughs) all that wrapped up into one. And then I'm, of course, sharing it on the podcast 
my YouTube channel, Instagram, and Facebook. So there's a lot of different ways in which I've been able to take the knowledge I have and put it out there. And the funny thing is, is that that is the tip of the iceberg in terms of the things that I share that I know about, because there's just not enough time in the day in order to put all this content out there or even to share about what I've learned over these last five years that I think can be so helpful for people. But in this episode, what I'm going to do is my best. I I picked 10 things in particular that I thought would be worth sharing about Iceland that, you know, in terms of how my perception has changed and different things that have transformed for me, basically. And transformation for sure is the word of the episode, in my opinion, and half a decade. You know, I'm, I'm here, I'm thriving, I'm enjoying and I'm growing. And I love that my audience gets to grow along with me and that they too get a chance to get insight into Iceland in such a special way. So before I jump into the 10 lessons I've learned in Iceland over the last five years, I have a little announcement and something I'm really excited about. So I am creating some content, a content hub, if you will, for people who are planning to travel to this lovely country that I have been able to call home for the last five years. And I was inspired to do this because people are reaching out to me quite often. I mean, I love to interact with people and a lot of people are interacting And asking you questions about like, where should they go in Iceland? They're going to be here for this amount of time and whatever else. And it honestly is not possible for me to answer everybody. And I feel bad about that because there is so much information. I mean, there are times when people ask me and I could write paragraphs and paragraphs. But if I did that every time, I literally wouldn't have time for other things like creating all the content that I put out already or having self-care or spending time with Gunnar or any or traveling for that matter. And so what I thought would be helpful is just putting together a lot of the information that I have learned already into one place, stuff that you have not seen already on YouTube, a lot of the stuff. I mean, I just, there's so many content ideas that I have that I've not been able to create into videos or to podcast episodes just yet, but a lot of that I can take and put into this one hub. And I think it would be so helpful for individuals who are looking to travel here, whether you've been here for the first time or not, there's always so much to learn. And that's something that I truly enjoy. And you'll even hear about that in my 10 lessons (laughs) that I've learned while living here. And so in order for you to be notified when that will happen, like the first people that will be notified of when I do this are those on my email list. So I highly recommend if you're planning a trip in Iceland in the future to be on my email list to get that special announcement because I'm working quite hard on it and I'm very I'm hoping that it'll be this summer in which I get it out for all those individuals. I know many of you are planning either for this summer or 2022. you know, wintertime, it will include the seasons. So that's another thing. It just won't be like summertime-based content. It will be all the possibilities in Iceland and all the different like etiquette things or cultural aspects. Some, a little bit of a language learning for those who are really interested in having some useful phrases while they're traveling in the country, stuff to help you prepare before you actually even come to Iceland. So yeah, lots of stuff. I'm so excited about it. I've already been doing some consultation with people one-on-one, but again, it's a time constraints issue. I personally can't do too many of those just because I have other projects I have going on. And so I feel like this will be the opportunity for me to be able to help 
a lot of people because it, you're basically it's like kind of like a virtual hub in which there will be video involved, of course, because that is something I really enjoy doing. And I just really think that this is going to be something that helps so many. I mean, the podcast I've heard from a lot of people, they've listened to my, you know, planning a trip in Iceland episode and things like that. And that was helpful for them. So I feel like this goes 10 times beyond that in terms of usefulness and also all in one area so that you can access it for as long as you need it. And that to me is so awesome. So that is just my announcement. Feel free to go into the show notes and sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on that announcement and other updates that I make, such as new content that is coming out. I'm always kind of like flowing and (laughs) making different types of content, which is always really exciting. A lot of it being travel inspo, but also cultural insights that I am noticing. So I look forward to having you on the email list and you getting to be one of the first people to know about this hub of helpful travel information. Okay, so now let's get into the 10 lessons that I've learned. Number one is probably the most fascinating to me, and that has to do with no place in Iceland looks and feels the same to me anyway, even after visiting it multiple times. So I've been to Thingvetlir, let's just say, multiple times, many, many, many times. I remember going back in 2013 in December. It was my first time. And even going back in winter a different time, it was just so different. And of course, going during COVID times was extremely different (laughs) because nobody was there. But that's the fascinating part about Iceland to me is that it is so ever-changing And of course, winter versus summer, you're definitely going to get a different feel and a different aspect of the nature in these different places. And I used to think that like, oh, I've done that already. I'm just going to go and like do something else. And then I go back to a place, whether it's by mistake, meaning like it's just on the way to somewhere and someone else wanted to go. So it was not my intention. So just some coincidence, maybe more than a mistake. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Or like there's a part of it that I didn't realize you know, I should go to or explore more. I was with somebody who has done something different there or they have a different perspective on it. Or I read about the place more and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, the significance here is different than what I'm used to, you know, and realizing about this place. And the West Fjords, for instance, I've been there a decent amount of times now, which is pretty hilarious because there are a lot of Icelanders who have never been to the West Fjords and a good friend of mine actually said this she's like you have been to West Fjords so many times I've never been and she is in her late 40s and I was like what that is so amazing and at this point I was like I feel like I've been to the West Fjords enough for the both of us (laughs) I even spent three weeks there learning Icelandic and I've traveled you know multiple times in this area and there's still so much I have not seen which is crazy and of course those are the more like obscure things I've I've gone to the major attractions and and things like that multiple times but there are just individuals who are fascinating that live there there are you know little cafes that pop up or like different aspects of you know going to a fjord in the west fjords that before, you know, getting to know some people in the area, they're like, oh, yeah, you should go there because there's this house that's like historic for whatever. And I wouldn't know that unless I kind of continuously expose myself to these areas and talk to people there. So I really enjoy this about Iceland and how much there is so much to understand and learn 
about the different places and how they're transforming too, just depending on the season, the time of year and everything. Number two is that my perception of Iceland has changed a lot over the years. And I think it's in a positive way. It's in a way in which helps me to better get insight on the culture and realizing that it's not a perfect place. Not to say that I assumed it was perfect when I came here, but it's so different than where I grew up. And I was also reading the same media that everybody else was, the international media in particular. And this is one of the reasons why I do the Icelandic News Roundup uh, weekly on my on Instagram, specifically my Instagram stories, is because I want to tell news stories that are challenging to hear about Iceland because there are things that happen here that are not positive, but also the positive ones. Like I don't want it to just be negative news time. I want it to feel like you're getting a balance of different things. During COVID, that was obviously quite challenging, but my rose-colored glasses that I had on when I first came have definitely changed their shade. <laughs> I I love Iceland. I, I won't sugarcoat that. I won't make it seem like this, you know, I've gone from being like, oh, Iceland to now feeling like this place is just horrible or something like that. That has not been the case. And I'm very fortunate that I've had such great experiences here that it has continued to be a, a positive, like my view of it is very positive. But I have also been exposed to the fact that there are different discrimination issues. There's gender inequality. Now, granted, when compared to other places, of course, there is more gender equality based off of like an index. But that doesn't mean that everything is equal between genders. And I think it's just really important to realize that there's still so much work to do, even in in the country that's voted with having the most gender equality, as well as there's crime that happens here, <laughs> much less in other places. And so it's really horrifying. For instance, there was a recent murder and this was a person was shot to death. And this is so rare in Iceland that this happens. And of course, everybody was shocked and just freaked out by it because it was like, what? Iceland? No. And yeah, it was a gang related thing, like an underground gang situation and that involved some Icelanders and involved people from countries in Eastern Europe. And this was hard pill to swallow. But knowing that, yeah, there's crime and there's also been thefts in the downtown Reykjavik area. So we are not exempt from this here. There's also racism. It looks different than maybe in different countries. Like if I just use the U.S. because that's where I'm from. So, you know, it isn't the same in terms of history wise, but there are definitely microaggressions and issues there. There are people who get sexually assaulted, you know, there. And that is more of a topic that's being talked about more here than when I first came, for sure. There's actually a second wave of the Me Too movement happening. And so, by diving in and weekly looking at the news and what's been happening in major stories, that of course has changed my perception of Iceland. And like I said, though, it hasn't been a negative thing. It's bringing the humanity part into the country instead of thinking of it as this utopia. With humans, there are flaws and there are things that need to be worked on. And that is the case here. And I don't want to ever make it seem as if I'm painting an unrealistic picture. I think in the beginning, and I'm not saying that any of the stuff that I mentioned on the podcast or anything wasn't accurate. It was just 
my view of it was what I knew at the time, <laughs> what I was exposed to or exposing myself to at the time and understanding as well, like getting a better understanding of Icelandic. That has helped me to understand what's happening in the news and in the culture and different phrases that people are using and what's going on that is shaping the narrative around so many different topics. So that has been life-changing for me and so important just to to grow as a person who lives here and plans on continuously living here throughout their life. Number three is one that I have to ask you to not tell my husband Gunnar about because then he will want to buy this all the time. And that is that the taste of black licorice has started to grow on me. I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> when I first got here, I was just kind of revolted by it. It is. It was too much for my palate. I don't have anything against other people who really like it. There are some people who never grown up in, you know, an Icelandic family or in the Nordics where this is something where a lot of people love or just certain cultures and they love it. But that was not me. And I wouldn't say that I love it. I'm never going to go that far as I hope not. <laughs> but I think there has been a resistance from me, from me because it is such a strong taste that is so unusual. But it's growing on me. There's like spe specific candies that have like marzipan with the licorice that make it taste more appealing to my palate. But then I've had just a straight black licorice and I was like, oh, well, OK, that wasn't so bad. And I was like, oh, don't say this. <laughs> And because Gunnar has always told me that it will grow on me. And I'm like, no, I'm never going to get used to this. Just forget about it. But here we are. And uh, it's being documented. <laughs> so let's move, let's move on to the next one. Number four is as much as I've traveled here, I'm constantly finding new places to see, new foods to try and amazing people to meet. Restaurants are popping up or restaurants are that are already existing or trying out new menus there are just, you know, infinite possibilities, even within a person that you have known. And I think this is anywhere, really. But there are stories. And once you kind of get to know a person better and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I never knew that part about you or understood this part about you or even was understanding this part about the culture and why you say this specific type of phrase or something, you know, or even in different regions, even though there aren't different accents or anything or dialects. There are different ways of thinking, especially when you go out to the countryside. And I was with Paulina Axelsdottir, who is Farm Life Iceland on Instagram. And I followed her around for a day. And I'll put this in the show notes, a link to the video, where I followed her around for a day just to get a sense of what it's like during lambing season in particular. And that was fascinating and so much hard work. Oh, my goodness. It was intense. So I've spoken to her before. I had an interview with her on this podcast and it was in the library in downtown Reykjavik. And, you know, it was really cool to hear her about her and how she kind of got started with doing Instagram and how she's been doing the farming thing with her family her whole life. But to go and see her in action when she was exhausted, especially, was a different aspect of her. And then also seeing where the farm is. And I would never think to have turned off on this specific road. There were certain areas where I'd never driven before because I never needed to. But now I got exposed to this and, and just this specific part of life, too. And then I get to share it. So that part always makes me so excited, realizing that I've been to a certain area. But, you know, I'm just now diving a little bit deeper. Number five is that the diversity of people here is amazing and Diversity-wise, I'm talking about a few different things. So 
So culturally, there are people from many different cultures. There are India, Africa, UK, United States, Canada, different parts of Europe, South America, Mexico, like just so many places. And it boggles my mind that there are so many different individuals here. And of course, you're Icelandic as well. And then there are Icelanders who are mixed. So they have their mix of cultures. But there's also ways of thinking. And that diversity in people, too, is really fascinating to me. With it being such a small community, meaning so few people in the country comparatively to other countries, I am amazed at the creativity and the different types of things people are willing to try and to do and there is this freedom there. And I know that as a individual, I have definitely grown creatively. I mean, I started a YouTube channel and I would have, I, maybe I would have done this in New York. I don't know. But there's a different vibe here that is really easy to kind of pick up on this beautiful energy of being creative. And I've enjoyed getting this diverse group of individuals around. And I said, I was like interested in doing something. Everyone was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Good. Go for it. I hope it works out for you. You know, it's like, oh, thank you. It's just so nice. And it feels very supportive. And the judgment, at least for me, has not been there. And I appreciate that so much. Number six is Icelandic. Wow. Yeah, that's a beast. And I am not fluent in Icelandic. I am trying and it's a process. I've talked to people who have been here for decades and they're just like, I'm always still learning. And of course you do in every language. But in this one, I think it can continuously feel hard because there's so much to remember when it comes to conjugating and declining. And it is what it is. But five years ago, would I have thought that I would be like conversational and even enjoying the process? No. Do I always enjoy the process? Absolutely not. <laughs> Let me just be real with you in that regard. I do love learning and there are times when I'm flowing and it's working so well. And I'm just like, well, I'm really proud of myself that I just kept this going. And the consistency part is key. And then there are times where I might have fallen off from talking a little bit because a lot of what I do is in English. So I'm often just talking and in English and of course, like speaking in Icelandic to Gunnar, but it can be too easy to fall back into that. And then I'm like, oh man, no, I feel like I've lost kind of the momentum that I had going, but I've grown to appreciate the process of learning Icelandic, even though I am not aware that I'm... <laughs> I'm progressing. Sometimes you feel like you're just stuck somewhere, but in reality, a lot has been changing. And my mind, in terms of how I think about words and grammar and everything, has changed because I've been exposed to a language that it has rules in it that I didn't need to care about when I was in the United States just going through language arts class or something in elementary school or English class in high school. So very amazing use of my brain <laughs> and I know many others who have felt the same way who are foreigners here and everybody's different of course in their learning process and I'm just glad that I've gotten the opportunity to continuously do this and challenge myself in ways that is not what I expected. <laughs> I, I had the plan originally that like I would be amazing in Icelandic after three years of living here even though I was not going to university full-time and I was taking classes here or there or whatever but, you know, expectation versus reality. And I'm a living testament to 
you have to do it sometimes at your own pace, depending on what your obligations are, meaning working, paying bills and all that jazz. (laughs) So it is what it is. And I'm just, I'm happy that I have the opportunity to do it. And also to share about that journey and just be real with people about how that is going. Number seven is that being plant-based slash vegan in Iceland is amazingly easy. We even have a vegan grocery store, an amazing vegan grocery It's not just like go in there and you're like, oh. it's like, no, when I go in, I feel similarly to when I would go into Whole Foods, even though Whole Foods is not like a all vegan store, but you know, the options they have expanded so much in this store and I love it. Oh my goodness, it's so good. <laughs> and it's my favorite store, hands down. I, I like shopping for food. I like to cook. I don't always want to cook, <laughs> meaning I don't want to cook every day. So I'm a meal prepping type of person and I'm planning to do some videos about like what I eat in a day. Just kind of give people an idea about shopping for vegan food in Iceland or buying it and where to go because Every supermarket, I go to all the the markets. I've been to different markets around the country and I've always been able to find food that I can eat or make for myself. That's why I normally like to stay in places that have their own kitchen. However, I've also been to plenty of restaurants where they serve vegan food, even outside of Reykjavik. So that to me has been so helpful for my journey in terms of I'm six years now being plant-based and A lot of people are shocked by this, mainly because they're like, wow, okay, that's been a long time. And it's been longer than when I lived in Iceland. So when I came to Iceland, I was, of course, learning about like what's available and being pleasantly surprised even then. The movement around eating vegan food or plant-based food had already started before I came. And the January is what is like vegan January is when people try out being vegan in January for the whole month in Iceland. And I think it happens other places too, but... This is just something that's been happening for even before I came. I remember hearing about it and was quite shocked. So even if you're not a person that wants to eat plant-based all the time, you can do meatless Mondays like some people do or whatever. You know, it's up to you. I was talking uh, on a call with somebody the other day who's gluten-free and that is because they have to be like this is health-wise and there are gluten-free baked goods here. When you go to different shops, there are restaurants that do have uh, gluten-free options on the menu. So, you know, people who are keto on the other (laughs) end of the spectrum, that blew up as a thing here too. So Icelanders are really big on trends and also adapting to different lifestyles when it comes to food, it seems. And that part has made adjusting to living here so much easier. Number eight is that in regards to budgeting and and really thinking about, you know, how best to make my funds go farther, that is something I for sure learned here in Iceland because it can be quite expensive. And I don't want to make people feel like, you know, oh, it's no big deal. Iceland's fine. Like, just come here. No, if, if you're a person who has to think about what they spend where you live, then you're definitely going to have to think about that when you come to Iceland. And it's mainly because there's a lot of tax on things. There's tax on alcohol, for instance, huge amount of tax on alcohol. I don't drink that much, but I do like to do it sometimes. So I'm a little strategic about it. Like I'm making sure I know when there is a happy hour and I can go with friends. Or for instance, I'm planning to go to a brunch and there's a bottomless brunch, (laughs) bubbles, bottomless brunch where we get like amazing food and we also get as many drinks as we want within a two hour period. 
And that is affordable for Iceland. I think it's around like maybe $50 or something per person. Now, in other places, people might be like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But in Iceland, that is a heck of a deal, considering the fact that alcohol is so expensive. (laughs) And so budgeting there and then even with accommodations and just like looking out for deals, you know, because as much as I like to have a great experience like I want to stay somewhere nice it's not like I just want to be in a rinky dink area or a hotel or anything like that at the same time though I know that you know there are some times where there are sales for things or there are specials that are done throughout the year I worked in tourism meaning specifically for a tourism company and so that's just kind of part of it And especially now that things are picking up, there are so many companies that really want to lure in people and you can get things at a relatively decent price for Iceland or even like shopping at certain stores and how I strategically shop at stores. When I was in New York, there are for sure some stores I would go to more than others, but my money just went much farther. Like I can get a ton of groceries for 50 bucks, you know, and here that is not normally the case. (laughs) I can go to one store and get a lot of groceries for around $50, but it wouldn't have everything that I needed and, or everything that I specifically wanted, I should say, because it could have the majority of things I need, but maybe it wouldn't have like some organic stuff that I would like. And that is okay. And so I budgeting wise have learned a lot or even with, you know, fuel and different places to go. So this is for sure been a fun activity. I I make it kind of into a game for myself. I have a budget every month, like many people do, but my budget is a bit higher than for sure when I lived in New York City. And it's been great. And it's been an interesting way to also like save (laughs) and making these uh, a priority, which in Icelandic culture, saving for a lot of people is really not the biggest thing which I think is interesting. So that's something I kind of bring from being in the U.S. and wanting to have, you know, emergency funds and stuff. So there's always a mix, I think, going on here for me of how things were in my life when I was living in New York City and the things I feel like are worth holding on to while I'm living in Iceland. And then the things I pick up in Iceland that I feel like, okay, maybe in, in, in New York or the U.S. I was way too strict about or as way too like embedded in that way of thinking. And specifically when it comes to working, that's, you know, I've, I've often been this like, go, 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 go. And in Iceland, I realized I could slow down. I can chill out a little bit, you know? And then too, with certain groceries, like I was way more splurging. I splurge a lot when I go to <laughs> New York now, just because there, for sure, this is the United States in general. There's a lot more, variety and when you go into these big stores like Whole Foods you're just like wow it's amazing how many things are here and before I know it I have like 50 things in my cart (laughs) that I want to try so that's just you know part of it 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 makes going there so much more enjoyable because I realize I get something special but my mindset changes it immediately goes back to like nope we are paying more attention to like how much we're spending here and all that jazz so Number nine is a really fascinating one for me. And that is because while I mostly still feel like Jules from New York City, that's how I identify, Iceland is definitely my home. New York helped to shape me the first 30 years of my life for sure. And I'm always so grateful for the experiences I had there and what I've learned and how that's helped me to navigate in the world. 
after moving to Iceland, I've grown a lot as an adult, as a partner to Gunnar, as a creative person, as, you know, a family member, like a daughter to my mother. So much, you know, the amount of difference in how I feel about my own possibilities and creative journey and as an individual, I think is really fascinating. I had a lot, a lot of time to expand here because when you do slow down, you can really think about the things that you enjoy and you want to do or when you're exposed to such beautiful nature. I feel like there's a lot that comes from this that helps you. And this, of course, is my personal experience. It might not be that way for other people who literally would be in similar circumstances. But this is how it's been for me. And I don't have any problem always being jewels from New York City. And, and in Iceland, it isn't like you become an Icelander when you come here. <laughs> Whereas in New York, you know, if someone's been in New York for a decent amount of time, it's like, yeah, you're a New Yorker. Like my mom's been in New York for over 30 years. She's a New Yorker, even though she was born and raised in Rochester, New York. So this is really fascinating to me, but I don't have an identity issue there. And I can't see over the next, you know, whatever amount of time I'm in Iceland, which for, in my opinion, will be this is my home forever, <laughs> is that I would have this identity or need to identify as if I'm Icelandic or something. Just rather acknowledging that I have been impacted positively by being here and being around Icelandic people and being exposed to Icelandic culture. And that is something that I really appreciate. Last but certainly not least is number 10. And that is that I see the world differently now after living here. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I get asked a lot of questions <laughs> from Icelanders or people who are not from the United States that live here and that I am friends with because of different things that have happened specifically in the U.S. And I do see the world differently, though, so I will get into that a little bit more. It won't just be U.S. related, but I'll just give you the example of how COVID was handled initially in the United States, the last election, you know, like this many, many things come up here that open my eyes to other people in the world being like, what is going on and not understanding because you can assume that that Icelanders or people from other countries think that. But unless you're here, actually, being the only you know person from the U.S. in your company, being asked these questions because and you've become like the default representative just because they don't have anybody else with direct contact so to ask, this then opens your mind to being like, wow, okay, the perception is maybe not so great <laughs> most of the time. Or that it can be really good. I mean, a lot of people who come from different cultures to like in... Iceland, which I think was a little bit hard for me to cope with, is that you get these stigmas that get attached to you. And it's not always bad. It can be, you know, that people from the U.S. are much more loud, but they're loud in that they're like super, super friendly and like smiling all the time and talking loudly. And then you have people who, you know, are coming from Denmark and Icelanders loved joke about other cultures, in particular Danish people. <laughs> so just to give you some background, though, Denmark ruled over Iceland for about 500 years. So there's some interesting history there <laughs> that makes, I guess, making fun of Danish people and the way that they talk amusing to Icelanders, I'll just say. <laughs> and so that, to me, has also opened my eyes to cultures that I'm not that familiar with or even how Icelanders think about, like, Swedish people or Chinese people or whatever. It can be 
most of the time just in jest. And other times it can be biased that you're like, oh, well, that's weird. But i realizing too that a lot of people here are isolated and there is sometimes when you're not exposed and you're just getting media that is what, you know, helps to shape your view of people that can have an effect on your humor or like how you treat people and stuff like that. So that part has given me a better scope and, and also because Iceland is so small and is dependent on other countries in terms of people to come here for tourism for that, you know, support uh, economically and then going other places, the education. It's been really fascinating just to see the world somewhat through a lens of Iceland. And I continuously like take mental notes of just understanding and realizing that there's an evolution happening here, especially as Icelanders bring back knowledge from abroad and try to incorporate it within the culture. Okay, so those are my 10 things that I wanted to share, some lessons learned or observations that I've made about myself, about the country, and things I think would just be interesting to share with you. So I'm going to move on now to the random fact of the episode. And I don't know if I ever mentioned this in a previous episode, but I only ever started hiking when I came to Iceland. And and I mean that more of like consistently. I'd been on a mountain before and gone like hiking, but it wasn't as accessible to me because I wasn't aware of like, oh, I get to take the train, you know, from New York City to maybe the Adirondacks or something and go hiking. That just didn't feel like it was none of my friends were doing it, first of all. <laughs> and also it just wasn't a way of how I went about my life. And when I was working for an Icelandic tourism company called Icelandic Mountain Guides, they're like, you know, you need to understand the product so you can describe it for your marketing efforts because I was working in marketing. And so I was like, yeah, of course. But the limit of going out was like infinite. It's like, yeah, you should go on this trekking tour for like nine days in the Highlands or you should go hiking here in this mountain. And like I said, wasn't hiking consistently beforehand, really hardly at all. I'm just being really honest. And so this started a great, you know, love for me in terms of Icelandic nature, but I want to tell you one story in particular that was hard. And that was that I went out, I was filming a project for one of the guides, Matteo, and he's Italian actually. And the idea is that he was turning 40 and he wanted to ice or he wanted to climb. Yeah. It's ice climbing in particular, 40 different routes, ice routes by his 40th birthday. And we went out with some Icelandic mountaineers and him. And so we were going to go hike up to a route and it was like, okay, so I'm with them. And I'm basically like the director of this shoot, if you will. Right. <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm not the camera person. I'm the person that's just like, I had the idea to do this to showcase one of the guides to kind of show people that in Iceland, at least for this company, this is a lifestyle. This is not just a like, oh, we're going to sell you tours. It's like, no, the guides live and breathe this, this lifestyle. And so, I mean, it all sounds good when you're sitting in an office <laughs> You're brainstorming. And then you get out there and we went, we stopped at the side of a road somewhere. It was not like a regular marked path. Granted, we were not going to be stepping on moss or anything, but there were lots of rocks. It had been raining and we just start like hiking up and hiking up this mountain that is steep. Okay. And like I said, not an experienced hiker and I'm exhausted. And these people are just like mountain goats trekking along. Like it's no big deal. They're 
also zigzagging and I had no idea that what this zigzagging was <laughs> because this is something you do to like make it easier for you basically to go up the mountain it's like a more efficient way of hiking but I didn't know that and, and I asked them I was like why are you walking this way why are you zigzagging and they're like what are you talking about they weren't even realizing they were doing it I feel like they do it so much that it wasn't a strategy in terms of intentional it was just a natural way of them realizing this works for them so they do it and I was way behind. I mean, it took me a while and people were like trying to cheer me on. Like, you can do it, Jules. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get there, you know. <laughs> and the shoot went really well. And I even have a picture and I'll see if I can find it and put in the show notes of me up there. And there's a rainbow behind me that the cameraman Björkvin took of me. And I was just like, oh, and at that moment, I remember of like how difficult it was, but also how beautiful it was. And we probably hiked something like, I don't know, it might have been like 900 meters high and that's a decent amount when it comes to feet. And I was not physically prepared for this, obviously. And then on the way back down was not easier. It was steep. In fact, it was worse because I mentioned there was a lot of rocks. And so uh, actually, I think it was Mateo who actually gave me his sticks because he had been using those. And all these people incredibly fit. And even on the way down, I mean, I had to take my time and everybody was down way before me. And I was, I almost started crying actually, because I was so tired. Like I'd, I'd done the way up, but on the way down, my knees are like shaking and it was just, it was hard. Uh, I felt accomplished after I was done, really tired. My bone, my body, not my bones, but like just my muscles and stuff were just so achy. And I soaked in Icelandic pool later on. I told him that what happened. He's like, let's go to the pool. So we walked over to the pool near our house and we soaked and that was so helpful. And I just remember thinking like, instead of something, cause I did feel like a failure in comparison to everybody there who was just so good at hiking. But I remember thinking, I want to get better at this. I don't want to be the person <laughs> that is lagging behind so much. Like I'm not trying to be a mountaineer necessarily, but it sparked something in me because this was the first summer in which I worked in Iceland and it's 2016. So it sparked something in me that was like, no, this is something that I want to be able to do so I can see the different beautiful nature. What if I ever want to take up ice climbing like that and go and, and do a track or do a, a hike up to one of the routes? Like this is something that it just, it sparked a fire in me. And my appreciation too, for just how difficult things can be because it rained during that day. Like there was sunshine, there were rainbows, there were tons of things happening. And I just really appreciated this challenge and that my mindset went from being like, I'm not a hiker to like, no, I want to be a hiker. Like this was, this was cool. You know, I definitely had a lot of happy hormones, <laughs> but I just thought I would share that just because it was a challenge for me that shaped me into being more of a nature enthusiast <laughs> goes out and does some of these activities. And that was definitely not what I was like five years ago when I first moved here at all. So the Icelandic word of the episode is umbretast, which basically means change, but in this case is a really strong change. And so it can also be interpreted as transformation and that is what's been happening to me living here is definitely my transformation. Even that's that last random fact about me 
there was a transformation that happened and all of the different 10 things I mentioned, including many, many more things that I haven't mentioned have helped to transform me. And I am incredibly grateful for that, for this opportunity to be able to transform here and continuously like, like a butterfly <laughs> to some degree. And I love that. So I hope that you enjoyed this kind of learning more about my different lessons in Iceland after living here for five years and, you know, the celebration that I'm having kind of internally and externally, probably on my birthday and, and our anniversary and stuff, we'll do a bit more. But I just wanted to share that with you. I hope that for all those who are coming on a trip to Iceland or have been already really enjoyed their experience and continue to learn and grow along with me here on the podcast, on YouTube or anywhere else where you decide to follow along. It is such a joy to be able to do this. And I, I truly appreciate all the listeners and followers and individuals so I get a chance to interact with. And of course, the stories that I get to tell too. Thank you.